welcome to a brand new series that I'm proud to host called Forgotten Gems, where we go back to history and the semi-recently present day, and we look at games that are very good, but were lost too soon for one way or another, either through bad marketing, no marketing, or a very flawed game, or maybe a bad story, or hell, maybe even just a bad release date with another game that triumphed just a couple days later. We're going to go through uh, an extensive list one game per episode of a game that I feel like was forgotten far too soon. And we're going to go through a little bit of trivia with it. We're going to describe the game and we're going to go and kind of make our own assumptions as to why this game was forgotten. So this first game we have is a game that I know personally far too well, and that is Final Fantasy Revenant Wings. Technically, Final Fantasy 12 2, because it is sequel to Final Fantasy 12. It came out in 2007, a year after Final Fantasy XII in 2006, and it already had a lot going against it, but we're going to get into that a little bit later in the episode. I will say, though, Final Fantasy has been known to mix up the fantasy RPG every few games or so. You know, you got your tactics, you got your world of Final Fantasy, you even got Final Fantasy 16 that came out not too long ago with its more uh, DMC style of gameplay. But Revenant Wings is probably the most unique game in which it is technically a monster tamer RTS akin to Command and Conquer and Warhammer. Story takes place, I think, a year after 12. Pretty much all of the old characters are in this one. You got your Vani, your Pinello, your Bartholomew, and then you your Baldazar, your Ash, and then you got like weird characters where it's just like Kites, which was like a very like he was a child in 12, is now like a preteen, and he's one of the main cast members in Revenant Wings, which is strange. Which for me personally, I played Revenant Wings far before I played 12. So I was very surprised to see just the like tonal difference of like how bizarre this game is compared to the original, which is something else we're going to get into in a little bit here. And then probably the biggest detriment that this game could ever have is that it came out for the Nintendo DS in 2007. To my knowledge, it has not been reported anywhere. I don't know why this would make a phenomenal Switch game, and it could easily be ported and customized to being a PC game, considering it's an RTS, so I really don't know why it hasn't been. But I kind of think this is kind of like a black sheep in Final Fantasy games, which isn't the first one, because you got your Crystal Chronicles and stuff, which Square Enix also kind of wants to forget, but I digress. So Runner Wings is roughly around 25 hours in its full contact with the game. With how challenging some of the boss fights are in the late game, it'll probably take you more. I don't really know where Google got that statistic. I remember playing this game all the goddamn time as a kid, but it wasn't because I wanted to 100% the game. It was just because I like playing the game. So it comes to start new games and stuff. Plus, I was like a child when I played this game. So going back now, 25 hours, it seems a little high, but I also don't remember a full thing about the game. I remember all the important parts. A team called Think and Feel created the game. They, in their entirety, made a whopping of two games, Revenant Wings being one of them. The other one was, I believe, Eastern exclusive called Blood of Bahamut. I've never heard of it, and I can't really find gameplay of it. If you know what it is, hey, feel free to leave a comment below. I would love to figure it out. As far as I can tell, it is not connected to any of the Final Fantasy games, despite having Bahamut in the name. I know that's not a Final Fantasy exclusive, but it is pretty synonymous with it. The game just has random spikes of like difficulty and can be very unforgiving. If you fail, you have to start the entire level over again. And sometimes that can mean five minutes and sometimes that can mean like an hour, especially very early and then very late game. How it works is that there's no like classic levels. There's no real skirmishes, no grinding you can do to get better at the game. You 
go through the stage and throughout each map, there's these big old squares, which you capture, which are like your, your waypoints, which you can capture. And when you capture one, each hero specifically, so you got your Vaughn, your Pinello, your Kites, your Ash or whatever, each have a set amount of espers, which they command. And that's basically your army. And espers can range from like little sprites to Diabloses to Tomberries in the late game, right? There's tons and each of them have their own stats and elements and special abilities, which you got to keep track of. And yeah, that's where the RTS comes in. But because of that, levels aren't really like a thing as you would expect. At the end of each mission, you do get like a pool of experience, which you get, which your heroes can then, through the game's decision, can learn new moves. For example, Vaughn is, I guess, canonically a thief because all he learns is steel moves. So the very beginning, he learns steel speed and then he learns steel power, steel attack speed, steel defense, stuff like that, where he can rob stats of enemies. And it's fairly middle of the road, I'd say. It doesn't excel. When you don't have it, you kind of miss it a little bit. Despite not having skirmishes, it does have like side content and hidden bosses. And those will just kick your dick in every time you get a chance to. They are very challenging. I remember to this day still just trying to fight chaos is so hard. Once you have them all, you can then fight the super hidden secret boss, uh, Exodia, which you don't fight Exodia, Exodia fights you. And if you win, then you must be game sharking because it is purposely square. Enix trying to make a boss just like in 12, that realistically they do not want you to defeat. And no, there is no new game plus or any real way than just playing the best you can and getting lucky. To my experience, I know that Exodia is very challenging in almost every game that it appears in, but Reverend Wings is no exception. Okay, so we're going to move on to a little bit of behind the scenes. Revenant Wings is considered within the fan base to be non-canon. Why is this? Well, I did some research and here are the reasonings behind that. First of all, it was written and directed by Yutori Toriyama. This mad lad hadn't worked on any of the prior Evil East games, which would be Final Fantasy XII, Zodiac Age, Final Fantasy Tactics, and then Tactics Advance, etc. And then after this game came out, Tactics A2. Those would be the Evil East games, the games that take place in the world of Evil East, which is a very condensed set of games. The game also had no involvement, from what I can tell, from these several people, from Yasumi Matsuno, from I think 12, and he was the writer of world building. No involvement from Hirokoyuki Ito, who was a game designer in 12 and Tactics, from what I could tell. Nothing from Hiroshi Minjinganawa, sorry if I butcher that name, who was pretty much the art director of Evil East, which makes sense because Brovent Wings kind of stands out, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And then also no involvement with Akito Yoshida, who is the character designer, which honestly you, you don't really miss because they kind of do, in my opinion, a good well of emulating what characters look like slightly older. It's nothing that crazy. And this personally shouldn't really be said, but ultimately has the same amount of no involvement. No involvement from Jun Akiyama, who was the Final Fantasy XII cutscene director. A lot of people say that because none of these people who had very prominent standing in the previous games weren't in it, this makes it non-canon. Does this make this non-canon? No, it is canon, okay? I had heard that on the Revenant Wings wiki that they said they didn't want it to be seen as canon but as of recording this episode i haven't been able to find that really anywhere and i don't really know if it was deleted or if it was taken back or if the original claim was lying but i can't find it so as far as i can tell it is flawed but it is canon it also would be very strange because in tactics advance 2 vaughn and pinello 
show up and they reference an event that happens in Revenant Wings. So it would be very unfortunate. Now, there's a bigger question of Tactics Advance and Tactics Advance 2 are canon because they're Isekais. So it kind of raises a big old question mark, but that would be a story for another day. But I think Revenant Wings is canon and people just get pissy because of the behind the scenes debacle that they kind of created. All right, so we're going to move on to the next section, which is story. So I won't really do any like major spoilers here. Typically, and if I do, I will make it very clear that I will. But as plain as a synopsis as I can, Vaughn and friends travel to a planet of a dying race to uncover their secrets. And that's it. <laughs> they go to these chain of sky islands where they meet these like eagle people, bird people, just dudes with big old dreadlocks and like big ass angel eagle wings. That's pretty much it. And they kind of just fall into a conspiracy that they have to uncover and save the world and typical Final Fantasy jargon. There is obviously more that happens, and if I remember, there is this really, really decent cutscene that I always kind of stood out to me that I always liked, but I won't really go into that in here because that's not kind of what we do. We kind of just point out the game. We're not going to tell you everything about the game. The whole point of the show is to make you have interest peaked in the game for you to experience it yourself. So, yes, it is an RTS, so that already kind of limits the hardware it can be used on without any major changes and because of that it requires pretty much a hundred percent of your attention whenever you play you, it's not a game you can half-assly play and you need to be paying attention or else one of your units will die that didn't need to die and then you kind of snowball and then you just go lower 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 and then you die and that's not really fun so if this is a game you wish to pick up either physical or emulation i won't tell anybody then dedicate time to playing it and don't just kind of half-ass it because you won't really get far not really Another thing, too, is about the gameplay is that a lot like Warhammer, this is why I say it, your hero units are very, very strong, but they cannot and will not carry you. You need an army behind you, and it doesn't, to an extent, really matter what they're comprised of, at least early on. Late game, you really need to strategize your small units, medium units, and then your big ultimate units. You do need to plan for typings. So think Pokemon, like if a thing is ice, then you, maybe you want to use fire or if something is stone, then maybe you don't want to use electric, you know, just shit like that, which is where I get like the monster tamer slash Pokemon thematics to it. Cause you do need to recruit some of them and you do need to prove your worth to some of them and you do need to unlock most of them. Versatility is the name of the game here. The way it comes off is very shocking. And going back previously where it didn't have the art designer it previously had. So a lot of the redesigns, I think pretty much like the community unanimously agrees. There are some ugly designs. Personally, I'm not a fan of Revenant Wings' version of Leviathan. I think it kind of looks kind of dorky. Leviathan traditionally kind of looks like a big, angry fish slash eel. A very long and slender body with a big fuck off face and in Revenant Wings they kind of chunked him up a bit and kind of made him more like a Chinese boreal dragon with like the whiskers and everything and I don't think it really fits that well I don't think it looks bad I just think it doesn't look like Leviathan which I think is the biggest sin do you have your traditionals like your Shivas and your Ifrits kind of look like how Shiva and Ifrit would look like and then there's things like Exodia and then Chaos which have always had one design across the entire pantheon of Final Fantasy but there are some like very visual design artistic changes in a lot of things. 
The game is not voice acted at all, which is strange considering they could have just reused 90% of the cast of 12. And ultimately, the stakes are a lot less severe. It's also just a completely different tonal change from 12, which I don't think people liked because 12 is about this giant civil battle between countries. And of course, it escalates because it's a fun fantasy game. But then this game is just like government conspiracies. I think for those who are coming into Revenant Wings right after Zodiac would come off with the feeling that it's extremely tone deaf. You can't really get a more different experience in gameplay and art style. And also with like redesigns as well of some things. I can get where frustration is. I think it kind of went a little too far, but I can understand the constraint. So at the very end, should it have been forgotten? No. I think it is a clusterfuck with one too many clashing genres that can work, but in order to work, it needs to have more effort put into it than the effort that was put into it. It's not like turn-based like its predecessors and having the RTS in a spin-off sequel, despite being the safest time to experiment, is just genre overload. It was also on the Nintendo DS in the middle back end of the life, so people were pretty done with the DS at that time. The Switch is kind of getting there now, where it's like, yeah, there may be that one gem, but then there's a thousand other games that release every day. 2007 probably was overshadowed rather fast by a couple of other games that came out that year. So if you want to play this game, power to you. It is not a very common game to find physically, I will say. In my entire years of off and on searching, I have found, not including eBay or Amazon, if those who do not trust those sites, which I do not blame you, I have seen Final Fantasy Revenant Wings in person once for an egregious amount of dollars, which was 500 for a single game, not including the case, by the way. I grew up playing it legitimately, but I haven't seen it since, and I don't think I can condone it. But if you choose to emulate it, I think we everyone can kind of agree it's probably the easiest, definitely the cheapest, no one will really cry about it kind of way to play it. So this will conclude our first episode of Forgotten Gems. Thank you very much for watching. I have an extensive list that I created my own. So until we meet again, I hope you have a fucking day. Peace. for tuning in to this episode proudly presented by the APNM Group, a subsidiary of Alger Productions, LLC. We strive to produce content that informs, entertains, and adds value to your day. We value your input and would be delighted to hear your thoughts in the comments about this episode. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please engage with us in the comments section or via our social media platforms. Your feedback helps us shape our content and uncover new topics that matter to our listeners. If this episode resonated with you, we kindly ask that you rate and review this show on your preferred podcast platform. Sharing this podcast with friends and family helps us reach more listeners and continue delivering content you enjoy. For more information about the podcast, the host, or our parent company, please visit the link in this episode's description. Also visit us on YouTube and Rumble to see and hear every content produced by Alger Productions. Thank you once again for your time and support. Until next time, stay tuned and stay inspired.